millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to a Snipper Nixon production. Welcome to Are You Feeling Funny, where top comedians talk to a Harley Street doctor about their health and well-being. I'm Alan Nixon, and in this episode, you'll hear our guest comedian, Shepi Kosandi, as you've never heard her before. I think I went into my births the same way I go through everything in life. It gave me something that I didn't have before. Shepi Kosandi will be in conversation with Harley Street specialist, Dr. Brian Kaplan, who has a passion for comedy. All comedians provide a service to people. Anyone that makes other people laugh, whether it's through a funny hat or dressing up or whatever it is, if it makes people laugh, it's having all those physiological benefits. Today's guest, Shepi Kosandi, was born in Iran, where her father was a renowned anti-government satirist and poet. Fortunately for comedy, her family found refuge in England, where she developed her unique brand of stand-up comedy, which one critic described as porn and prejudice. She's appeared on I'm a Celebrity, writes a weekly newspaper column, and has published a novel of her memoirs, A Guide to Learning English. Now here's Dr. Kaplan in conversation with Shapi Kosandi. Do you know, I, on my way here, I swore to myself I wouldn't talk about my colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. But here I am, that's the first thing I'm going to talk about. Um, when you're, I've had a lot of oscopies, laparoscopies, colonoscopies, and all this. I think when you're over 40, any lump or bump, instantly they shove a camera up you and panic you. Um, everything was fine, but it, it was, um, you know, you never really feel properly grown up. But when someone's about to do something like with your like bottom related at the mm. doctors, you have to be grown up about it. You have to deal with it. And, you know, I've had two children, so I know what it's like to, to be, at, you know, completely, I don't want to say at the mercy, but you, you do... Feel in the trust of doctors. So, not in the trust of... Oh, could you can well, have to edit. In, I'm making this an edit nightmare, aren't I? It's interesting in obstetrics that doctors are involved in obstetrics because obviously women were having babies without doctors or before even the word doctor or healer was even thought of. But we've taken over that area. Mostly women don't need doctors to have babies. It's oh, I wanted a doctor. You wanted a doctor. Oh, do you know what? My first baby, I... Um, had to. I mustn't. I'm gonna go back to my colonoscopy. Yeah, bookmark that. Um, so yeah. with my first baby, I had a natural birth. Yes. And by natural, I mean uh, it came out um, vaginally. Yes. He um, and some people don't regard that as a natural birth because I had an epidural, which is the greatest drug known to man. Um, it's a wonderful thing, and I I had to sort of fight for my epidural because 
the midwife wasn't interested really in giving me an epidural. She was leaving it later and later and she was saying, you don't need one yet. And I felt like the baby was imminent and I did not want it to the be. The Bible says women shall give birth in pain. Well, this is the thing. I, I think a lot of midwives' attitudes are hugely to do with their cultural background mm. because living in London, I had um, midwives from all across the globe and there is a marked difference um, in attitude. So I ended up going into the hallway because I asked my husband who is now my ex-husband but not because of this I said can you go out and find me an anaesthetist and he's very very British and went out and sort of scuttled around for a little bit and came back and said I can't find anyone and in that moment I wasn't very British and I went into the corridor and screamed and screamed and screamed and said I want to die and someone a very nice Iraqi man gave me an epidural and his name tag said Ahmed and I said, is your name Ahmed? He goes, no, that is my brother's name. Uh, but he couldn't make it today. So I've come instead of him. I am a window cleaner. <laughs> That's what you need. You need a bit of humour. Um, and he gave my epidural and my boy came out. But I had an elected cesarean for my daughter for various reasons. Um, because with my son, I wept and wept and wept for days thinking of all the women who would have to go would go through the pain that I went through in field hospitals when there are blackouts you know places where they have no access to doctors I cried for my grandma who gave birth to four babies and a <laughs> four surviving babies I hasten to add in you know a hut somewhere in rural rural Iran so I have to say I'm a huge fan of doctors at yeah, birth. Don't, you can be consoled by the words of Stephen Wright he said I was born by Cesarean hasn't affected me much. Just sometimes when I leave the house, I go out through the window. Yeah, well, there we are. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's the, go back to the colonoscopy. Right. Did you take any medicine there or before? What medicines did they give you before well, you had, had the colonoscopy? I just had um, an an enema when they make you drink something. Yes, that's beforehand. Didn't they that's give you beforehand. a drug? Didn't they give you any? Oh, they might drugs? have done. I, I blocked it all out. Because and then, it, no, but usually they give you a drug that actually takes away your memory of what actually happened during the event. Really? Yeah, that's what I had. But oh. anyway, tell us what your experience Well, um, no, I didn't have that. I uh, remember every detail. <laughs> so they gave me an enema thing, yeah, yeah. and then this doctor came in to see if it worked. And the thing about hospitals is you go in for a routine procedure as a healthy person. The minute they put that gown on you mm. with your bottom hanging out, you turn into a patient. And you feel ill. And suddenly, you know, I, I practically jogged there. But suddenly I was holding the cup of water very, very delicately up to my lips. And then the doctor came in. And he was a very attractive doctor, which didn't help in that circumstance. <laughs> and then um, he smiled at me and looked at his notes. And he smiled a smile that told me that he watches the Dave channel late at night. <laughs> and had seen me on repeats. And there's certain times where... You don't want anyone to go, you're that comedian, aren't you? And one of those times is when you're in a gown, having done, emptied, emptied everything out. Anyway, so then what, Then it was worse. He took me into the room, I was wheeled in, and the nurse in attendance was Iranian. She instantly said, Shapi Khorsandi, oh, are you Hadi Khorsandi's daughter? <laughs> I was like, oh, please, not now. Usually I'm very proud if people know my dad, but not in those circumstances. I didn't want anyone to know anything about me. And then 
she said, my favourite poem of your father is the one about the rhinoceros. And she started to recite it while I had a camera up inside my bottom, which is so uncomfortable. She started to say, It is the eyes and the light of the jungle of this world, the rhinoceros. And I was like, I've got eyes and light up my backside. I don't want to hear about the rhino. It is my father's longest poem. It's about 17 verses. She recited the entire thing. In Farsi. In Farsi. And then what was glorious, though, everything was fine was the Chinese nurse who gave me my recovery tea and biscuits. Because that's all you need sometimes. You need someone sweet to pat your hand. And she sat down and she made me laugh like a drain because she was filling out my details. You know the normal questions they ask you. Are you diabetic? Could you, you, know, could you be pregnant? And she goes, oh no, you're too old. And then she <laughs> said, the only question she didn't wait for me to give her an answer before she ticked the box was the ethnicity question. Um, she went, ethnicity, and she just ticked white. And I said, I, I'm not white. And she goes, I can see you're not white, but I'm giving you an upgrade. <laughs> and, and the risk she took and the trust she had in her own humour and in my humour absolutely made my day. Do you think it's interesting what you've said that you go in there as a human being and you're larger than life human being like yourself, a comedian. And as soon as you put on that green gown, you become an object of medical science. Mm -hmm. You and, really and do. And they teach you to do this in medical school. It doesn't matter who it is. They are the patient and they are now object of science and you and cut off if necessary. I've never understood that. Maybe if you have to see a patient every six minutes or eight minutes, you need to cut off. But doctors I... are taught to keep a distance like that. What I found was we went to a hospital where um, a friend of ours was a consultant cardiologist and he mentioned to his colleagues that this was a dear friend of his. And it made a difference in that he became a person. Mm. He became somebody's friend. And he's a joker. He's somebody that will... Um, he won't be treated like a number. He will make sure that he tr he is seen as a person and he I remember this um this nurse was put pushing him somewhere and he goes when when I'm out of here I will come to your house and I will push you anywhere you like <laughs> you know I think I went into my births the same way I go through everything in life which is just walk tall and march on I didn't investigate I didn't really it's almost like I deliberately didn't want to know alternatives I just um I heard about these water births and breathing and I just felt that surely it'll just come naturally in the moment and I did speak to my grandmother in Iran a lot who had had nine children and um she kept saying to me, trust your body, listen to your body. And I'm glad I did because, you know, I knew when my baby was coming. I knew what I needed. But the, I still experienced the pain. But I'm kind of glad of it because I do feel that that pain changed me. It gave me, um, it gave me something that I didn't have before. You're listening to Are You Feeling Funny? I'm Luke Nixon. We love making this show, so if you love it too, please comment, rate or subscribe on your podcast provider. 
Just sharing a link goes a long way. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, Shappy, let's go on to um, psychological stuff. And what I mean by that is any type of psychological stuff. It might be a phone call for help or a citizen's advice or a therapist or a counselor or a coach or anything to do in the psychological. Any experience there? Oh, loads. Loads. <laughs> uh, <laughs> any one of your choice. Something, something you how, feel comfortable about chatting about. How long have you about. got? Funnier, um, the funnier the better, I would say. How long have you got and where do you want me to start? Um, well, it's stand-up comedy is a really tough thing. It was a really tough thing for me to even acknowledge that I wanted to do. And the anxiety, I kind of attribute a lot of the anxiety to the nerves on stage, but the anxiety was there anyway mm. in my life. I used to try and write myself letters um, before I went to bed to sort of like help me to sleep. Like, don't worry about this and don't stress about it. And nowadays, I, I hear younger comics talk about anxiety a lot. And they recognise it as something that um, isn't normal. It, when I was younger, I thought that no one else felt the way I do. So you couldn't share the feelings. That, like, sometimes I just can't sleep because something that happened during the day will play over and over and over in my mind and send me off into a terrible vortex of agony and anxiety. So... Um, I had a really bad problem in that I cry. I used to cry really easily when I got frustrated or when I was told off or I felt someone was angry at me. Um, I couldn't, hadn't learned that adult skill. And it is a learned skill of standing your ground and stating your case and remembering that you're an adult dealing with another adult. You are not a child. And so I, I would bring the child forward to deal with a tricky situation. And of course, what does a child do? A child cries. And um, I had a manager at the time who said to me, you're not five, you're a grown woman. And he sent me to see a um, 
neurolinguistic psychotherapist. NLP. I had NLP. Yes. NLP the shit out of me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I got NLP to yeah. help me deal with um, the fact that I was going through my life and sort of forgetting that I'm a grown up, that I'm an adult, and I don't have to drag five-year-old or ten-year-old chappy to deal with stuff I can deal with stuff so that that changed my life you know um do you feel the inner child is still in you though it says you can play and yeah so that we don't want to kill the inner child we want no. to keep the inner child no my inner alive. child is fun and perhaps not on stage I've never seen a stand-up I've seen a lot of stand-up comedy but I've never seen someone cry on stage no, that's no fun. Mm. That's no fun to watch someone have an actual breakdown on stage. Mm. You have to let enough... Pu- if you want to talk about something dark that's hurt you, you need, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, to let a lot of time go by for you to be able to um, make something funny from it. I talked about my divorce as it was happening. Mm. It wasn't. It was really painful, and I think it damaged my healing process quite considerably. Um, because I didn't protect my myself and I made myself too vulnerable. It's good to make yourself vulnerable on stage, that's important, but you need to, it needs to be in your control. Um, well, and perhaps because you're talking, you see, talking about something is really a way of letting it go, but you're mm-hmm. talking to people to amuse them rather than someone who's listening to you empathically. They're listening yeah. to you to be entertained yeah. and amused and love. Yeah, yeah, and... The audience wanting to give you a cuddle afterwards and seeing if you're okay isn't really what you want, and mm. and that that was a that was a learning process. Yeah, you. I'd imagine as a stand-up comic, you don't want an audience feeling sorry for you. No, yeah. absolutely not. And and you sort of just learn to. Um, I've had a lot of different therapists. You have. You oh, know? loads. Yeah. Any other funny experiences with Did therapists? Oh, uh, funny. I had I had one that looked really bored. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's psychologically. Uh, well, maybe I, I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm sure. But that must I'm, be an amazing experience. I go and I play to big audiences, and everyone's laughing, and I get paid, and now I'm paying someone, and they look really bored. I know. I'm sure I spotted a noughts and crosses game on their notepad. <laughs> yeah. So. So all of that's um, things. I I think. If you do a job where you're communicating incessantly with people, there comes a time where you perhaps need to be at one, much more at one with your own psychology and what makes you tick. And I, I'm pleased to say, like my my head is a very happy place now. Like oh, I know um, when stuff happens, you you look at it as well. This is something that needs to be dealt with. This hasn't consumed my happiness area you know that that bit is um so you're not one of those comedians with tragic personal lives no good no i mean i've i've the the what you know i can't stress enough how painful my divorce was but now i'm in a situation where my ex-husband lives down the road from me you know we hang out at christmas together we we you know we we, we're in a in a um friendship in the umbrella sense of the word you know we won't sort of just ring each other up and go out for a beer but um in the bigger sense of the word friendship that exists which means the world to me absolutely because, because anything 
opposite of that is awful. It's Anything opposite that stressful. It's a battlefield. Mm. So I was in a on a in a battlefield for seven years. So, seven years. Yeah. So I went to see this guy who it wasn't a conventional therapist. Um, in fact, I wouldn't really know what to call him. I would just call him a really wise, intuitive person. That's a big compliment. Yeah, and he um, did ask me to imagine my life and describe my world, and there were just embers everywhere and battles everywhere in my visualizations. And so we worked on that, and then you you make it all peaceful and you make it calm, and and you learn that the way you do that is by giving compassion to yourself <laughs> because if you don't give yourself compassion then you don't have a prayer of giving it to anybody else yeah very profound and then you never I don't think you ever see yourself as other people see you or like when um, people will say something about me I go really wow I went to say this is uh, I thought this was hilarious I dated a comedian fairly recently and I heard that in his show he, he was upset when we split up and I heard uh, that in his show he was talking about me. He wasn't naming me, but he was talking about people me. People could work it out. It was uh, yeah, yeah, a few people yeah. that knew us both worked yeah. it out that it was me. And I went incognito <laughs> to his show, and it was the funniest impersonation of me. It was done with affection. Yes. It wasn't nasty. And I'd never seen anyone do an, an impression of me before. And I really saw myself, and it was... Um, really elaborately describing my love life like I'm, there's always something crazy going on in it it's never like a, a, a gentle wave it's always right up right and then right down and then right up and Tsunamis. then right down absolutely and I'm meeting this you know I'm, I'm seeing this guy but I, I can't tell anyone about it because he's the Dalai Lama's guinea pig and all of this and I was going through some other love drama and my mum, who quietly knows me better than anybody else, my mum's the quiet one in our family. She doesn't get a word in with exuberant me and my dad and my brother. And she said, I think you always just like the drama. And I always thought the drama was something that happened to me. Turns out I create it. <laughs> so, um, you know, at the age of 44, this year I realised that I think it's time that I stopped dating people because I create drama. I, I honestly thought that it was an accident, but it never is, is it? Well, it's interesting that he did that. In, in a sense, I do that. I like to, I can sometimes mimic people and make jokes about their life to get them to mm. laugh at themselves. But again, the situation, what you're describing, he's doing it for an audience. He's not doing it for you. No. But I'm really interested that you got some benefit out of it, that you saw a side of yourself that you wouldn't have seen unless someone was in person and who actually knew you. And, you know, crucially, he did it with affection. I had, yes. I had to learn the hard way uh, that you have to do it with affection. Otherwise, people simply don't like you or they're, they're turned off by you. Um, when I was younger, I was an incredible, even if I may say so myself, I was an incredibly good mimic um, I've bottled that to it massively. I used to always mimic our friends and family members and I'd pick up on their foibles and their weaknesses and I would amplify them and I would get them spot on. But I didn't always harness um, the, the, the skill of wrapping that up in affection. I think I was quite unkind. I'm talking about when I was like 
16, 17, 18 to like a bit of university. And then I realized that although people are laughing because it's funny and it's accurate, I'm coming across as unkind. Mm -hmm. And that was something I learned very early on in my life. And I'm very careful not to be unkind because it's not my motivation. is isn't for to, to pick on the, the weakness of someone and stamp on it and kick it. That's not funny. That's not nice. It's, it's shocking and people might laugh out of almost nerves that you've said something that no one else will say. You know, that, that telling it like it is. It can be outrageous without being unkind. Yeah. And the fact is anyone can tell it like it is. But I think when I was younger, I muddled being cool up with being, or muddled trying to be cool up with being funny. Yeah, warmth and coolness are not exactly the same thing. No, you know, but you know, I was watching, I was watching um, Theresa May's speech at the Conservative Party conference and I felt sorry for her. I really felt sorry for her because she was having a tough gig and everybody was saying, oh, well, she couldn't help having a cold. Actually, in that circumstance, I think you can. There's something performers call doctor stage, that if you have a migraine, if you have a cough, for the duration of your time on a stage behind a microphone, it, you're cured. You're able to mm. get through it. I don't know a comedian who has messed up a show, a live at the Apollo, a panel show gig because Correct. they've gone, they've been ill. I have been lying in a car all the way to a gig, unable to move for fever. I'm wheeled onto the stage for that hour. I'm okay. I'm a bit spluttery, but I get through it and I come off. And I thought, the, I thought uh, watching the Prime Minister's speech that your nerves allowed you to have a get out. And your get out was your cough. Mm, interesting, because... It was amazing that the Chancellor of the Exchequer gave her this uh, lozenge. She should have had that cough totally suppressed. Absolutely. And the thing is, and who takes a lozenge in the middle Mm. of a speech? You're now having to talk with a sweet in your mouth. It, Mm. it, it it, It just seemed like a sort of somebody who was very nervous. And I, you know, I'm nothing if I don't understand nerves. I really, really do. And I thought you should have had so much more preparation and coaching about how you feel inside yourself. Mm. In order to give this speech, you had to deal with the enormity. You had to learn how to breathe through a cough. Mm. Um, And you neglected to do these very important things. Mm. And at least we'll say in a defense, you did attempt a joke. I got something out of the Chancellor of the Exchequer gave me something for nothing or something. Yes. Yeah, so at least she tried. That was, yes. I always appreciate the effort of a the joke. The effort of a joke. <laughs> yeah, the chase. You're listening to Are You Feeling Funny? I'm Olivia Nixon. We love making this show, so if you love it too, please comment, rate or subscribe on your podcast provider. Just sharing a link goes a long way. Okay, let's get on to the spiritual world. Now, I won't ask you if you believe in God. I do ask people that, but I won't ask you because I know you are associated with the humanist. Uh, humanist, okay. But maybe president. you have some interactions with God or God people or the God Squad. Any interactions yeah. with the God Squad? I like I like religious people. Yeah? Yeah, I think um, being an atheist and being, um, I guess, a prominent atheist in that I'm president of Humanist UK, um, 
I hope there isn't an assumption that I'm... It's the opposite. I'm really interested in the thoughts of people with faith. I think it's... Um, I'm very much of the school of whatever gets you through the night. And despite the fact that I don't believe in a supernatural uh, being, um, I do believe that um, we can have faith in other things. I can have faith in human nature. I have faith in goodness. I have faith in kindness. I have faith that whoever I come across, I will find common ground with them. Um, that's a really important thing. I I truly believe that if you are mentally and emotionally in the right place, you attract the right people because people see that you are approachable, that you're not uptight, that you're not And where do they judgmental. see it? Do you think they see it by... You see, a religious person would say they pick up the vibe, they pick up the feeling. Would you think that they're picking up subtle visual and auditory clues that they it's can so, tell? It's so subtle. I mean, you, you will sometimes meet somebody that you just instantly like and you instantly trust, and that has to do with... Um, if I could, for a moment, sound like a 1960s hippie, mm-hmm. it's a vibe. Mm-hmm. It's a vibration. It's. Um, but isn't God that vibration? Some people would say that's what would, God is. That vibration. I think people of faith believe He's a supernatural power. I don't believe in the supernatural. I don't believe in um, in a creator. I believe that in the same way. Um, I've, I've, I have a cat. I've recently rescued another cat and they are sizing each other up. And as each day goes by, they're getting closer and closer to each other's... Um, they're getting closer and closer and getting on. Now, that's not a supernatural thing. That's mammals who are reading each other and, you know, prowling around each other. Smelling, looking, smelling, listening. looking, yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, you meet people and you dislike them. And that very same person, if you'd met them on a different day when you were in a different mood, you might have fallen in love with them. You know, that that can happen. That's very Daniel Kahneman, actually, where he says fast thinking and slow thinking. Mm-hmm. That often we um, think that the first impression is giving us a very clear picture of someone but actually Kahneman is saying that this is only through slow thinking waiting don't jump to that initial conclusion you may have a very different viewpoint if you allow your thinking to slow down in the system absolutely of person. Yeah. you know we often say about people who are um, uh, a bit for want of a better word annoying as oh they're all right in small doses I always think the opposite of annoying people. I think that they're best in big doses because they sort of calm down and their ne- their neediness subsides and they feel more comfortable with you, more comfortable in your skin, and then you can strike gold. Instead of them irritating you over a long period of time, just get all your yeah. Let crazy them irritate out you. immediately. Empty it out. Have ride, an exorcism. Yeah, ride through how irritating they are and then you'll find that they're, they're amazing and you would have missed out on that if you'd written them off in the first place. Now, I will share with you that I'm a 12-stepper. I'm a 12-step recovery um, person and in 12-step, one of the first things you have to deal with as an atheist is um, I can't, God can, let God. 
and God grant me the serenity to ex- to ex- accept the things to I accept cannot the change. things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, as the and the wisdom to know the difference. Yes. So I desperately wanted to find recovery from compulsion, and I had to deal with this God stuff, and then I spoke to other people, and then for me, God was the group. God mm. was the um, just the willingness of complete strangers to sit in a grotty room in Hoburn together and be there for each other and support each other. And if that's not love, I don't know what is. And for me, in that context, that was God in the way that you need to put your faith in something invisible when you are an atheist on a 12-step program. For me, it's love. It's human here and now love. What I found, if we can talk about East and West for a moment, because I have sure. the, I have the um, sheer good fortune of being from the West, a Western culture, and having remnants of my um, Eastern culture. Now, talking, I'm up with my Iranian family that come and visit from Iran. Talking itself is a pastime. Come sit and talk with me. They came round to talk, and that's what we did. You talk and you talk and you talk. And there's no um, judgment. You just go through this. You n- navigate your eat one another through your thoughts and your feelings. And that's what you've done for that afternoon. And in the West, particularly in the city, where everyone tells themselves, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Actually sitting with someone you like very much and making your couple of hours together just talking without alcohol without you know anything like that and talking it's something that we don't do enough in my opinion well, I love to hear you say that because that's what I love to do in in medicine it's funny that you said when you said I'm busy I'm busy I'm busy it's interesting that it's the word I am you mm-hmm. see it's I I I not just we would think the busy but it's actually I'm 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 yeah I'm busy I'm I remember once saying that and my brother saying to me, Shappy, Obama's busy, not you. <laughs> You've been listening to Are You Feeling Funny, a Snipper Nixon production. In this edition, Dr. Brian Kaplan has been talking to comedian Shappy Kasandi. If you've enjoyed this episode, please comment, rate or subscribe on your podcast provider. Just sharing a link goes a long way. Are You Feeling Funny featured Dr. Brian Kaplan. The comedy consultant was Arnold Brown. Music and sound by Alex Hollingsworth. The producers were Luke and Alan Nixon, and this was a Snipper Nixon production. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.